If you have your Bibles and you're remaining upstairs with us, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to read verses 53 through 58 as our text. Matthew 13, verses 53 through 58. When Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left that part of the country. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this, inform- where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and all his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. Let's pray. Lord, I pray over this portion of your scripture. Lord, anoint it and anoint our hearts to receive it. Holy Spirit, speak this message into our lives and enable us to make it relevant to our life. Lord, I ask for your anointing upon me as I preach it, that the weakness of my flesh will not hinder your word from going forth with power and authority and with clarity. In Jesus' name, amen. I've entitled the message this morning, Uncommonly common. Has he become just the carpenter's son to you? You see, Jesus was uncommonly common. And the people recognized that Jesus was back in his hometown. And so they come to listen to him. They come to see him, to And two, I'm sure they had heard the stories of things he had done in other cities. And so they came out to check him out. And Jesus is back among the people who he grew up around. People who knew his background, his past. And the people couldn't get past his past. People couldn't forget who he was. They didn't remember, or they didn't remember a sinful past because Jesus was without sin. But they remembered watching Jesus grow up 
And even though Jesus never displayed any signs of being the Son of God, there were many, many signs that He displayed in the life of common humanity. He grew up like everybody else grows up. And so these people seen His humanity. They seen His human side. And this is what they remembered. The common life of the carpenter's son. And that's what they remembered. They remembered the common Jesus. He was, they remembered Jesus, the little boy, running through the streets of Nazareth with the other children, playing with the other boys and girls. They remembered Jesus, a teenager, as he followed his dad, as his dad done carpentry work. They remembered Jesus, the young man who worked alongside his father in the carpenter shop. This is the Jesus they remembered. And they couldn't get past the fact that he was just the carpenter's son. You know what it's like, don't you? You know how difficult it is to witness to unsaved family members. You can witness to strangers and they will listen to your message and many of them will turn to the Lord. But it's different with family members. You know how difficult it is. Because they know you. They know what you used to be like before you got saved. They know your struggles. They know your weaknesses. Your failures. Your faults. Your habits. They know your sinful tendencies. They know, they know all of those things about you. And they're quick to point them out when you start talking to them about Jesus. They remember who you were. But they don't want to remember who you are now because when they listen to you and they look at your life and they see the difference from where you are right now to where you was in the past before you met Jesus, if they listen to what you have to say, then they have to look at their lives and examine their lives and they have to deal with the things in their life. And so they refuse to do that by refusing to believe who you are right now. And they choose to remember who you once was. So they can live with themselves and justify where they're at in their life without having to deal with who Jesus is. Because if they look at your life and they see the difference that Jesus made in your life, then they have to do something with Jesus in their own life. 
And if they're not ready to deal with that, if they're not ready to examine themselves deeply and say, I need a Savior, they need a, a way of escape. And that way of escape is your past. Jesus knew that. You know it. You've experienced it. And that's why Jesus said, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. Why? Because they are the ones who remember you the way you used to be. A stranger doesn't know your past. All they know is what you're living right now and they can see Jesus in you. And if they're hurting, they want what you have. Whereas a family member or someone who knew you when you were younger is able to escape that. I find it interesting, though, that as Jesus taught, everyone was amazed. Everybody that came and listened to him was amazed. His teachings hit home with them. They couldn't dispute his wisdom and the power to do miracles. But they couldn't get past his past. They couldn't get past the fact that he was just the carpenter's son. Instead of submitting to his teachings and being changed by the truths that he taught, the Bible says they scoffed. They scoffed at him. Can you picture them listening to Jesus and having their hearts pricked by the truths that he was teaching? Can you see them hanging their heads as they're thinking about what Jesus is saying? And it's revealing to them things in their life that they know and they want to deal with. And you see him struggling with it. You see them being confronted by those things in their life that they deeply want to be delivered from. They just don't know how to go about it. And they're listening to this man tell tell them truth that maybe they'd never heard before. And it's pricking their heart. And you can see the tension in their lives. What do I do with this truth? What do I do with it? I want to respond, but what will it cost me? What will I have to give up to to receive what this person, this man is telling me? And what happened was, instead of submitting to it, instead of letting the truths that Jesus was teaching penetrate their hearts and change their lives, they rebelled against it. And they scoffed. We see that week after week in our churches, don't we? We see that time after time when we witness to people as you're talking to them, as they're hearing the truths of Jesus, and as Jesus is 
talking to their hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit, you can see the tension. You can see them struggling with the truth. A part of them wants desperately to grab onto it and let it change them. To bring the healing that they desire. To bring the freedom that they've been crying out for. And they, a part of them wants to grab out and reach out and grab it and pull it in and, and let it change their life. But there's another side of them that's not wanting to let go. And it's not so much that they want to keep a hold of the bondage of this world. It's the fear of what it's going to cost me. What's going to happen if I let go and let God have His way in my life? What changes is going to have to be made? I'm not sure if I can make those changes. I don't know if I can stop doing what I've been doing. I don't know if I can let go of former friends. The friends that I hang out with. I don't know what, if, if I let go of them, what's going to happen? I'll be all by myself. And you see this tension in their life. Part of them wants to let go, but a part of them is afraid to let go. And some do let go of it and let God minister to them and they receive that life and their life is changed. And the burdens are lifted off of them. And you see them realize, I'm free. I'm free in Christ. The things that I wanted to let go of and be free of, I'm free of them. Those areas where I needed healing, I've been healed. But others decide the cost is too great. And they walk away scoffing. Because you see, if they don't receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they have to do something with Jesus. And they, they can't just let Him go. They have to have a response. And so they scoff at the truth. Because there has to be some type of response. If I'm not going to make Jesus the Lord of my life, and I know and I sense in my spirit that there is something real to this, I have to do something that makes it not real. And so I scoff like it's make-believe. I scoff like it's not real. And you see people do that response in our life when we minister to people, when we reach out to people to tell them the truth, we see them respond that way, don't we? Jesus did too. So you see, the response of the majority of the people in Jesus' hometown was instead of submitting to His love and His compassionate truth, they scoff. They scoff. Why did they scoff? They scoffed because Jesus was too common to them. They scoffed at Jesus' commonness to them. They had watched him grow up. He was too common to them. He's just the carpenter's son. Just the carpenter's son. I have to keep telling myself that 
Because if not, then I've got to do something with Him as the Son of God. And I'm just not ready to do that. And they kept telling themselves, where did He learn all these things? I have to discredit Him. Somehow I have to discredit His teachings. Because inside me I know it's truth, but I have to discredit it if I'm not going to receive it. And so they asked themselves, where did He learn all these things? After all, we know His mom, we know His brothers, we know His sisters, they live amongst us, and we watched Him grow up. Where did He learn all these things? He isn't a prophet because we watched him grow up. He's not a rabbi. He didn't go to Bible school. He he never received his ministerial credentials. Where did he learn all of this stuff? He's just a carpenter's son. How could he know this stuff? He's just the carpenter's son. He built my coffee table and the bookshelf in my den. Where did he get this wisdom and the power to open blind eyes like this? It was all because he was too common. And because he was too common, they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. They were amazed, yet they scoffed. We have to be careful that we don't fall into this same pit. We have to be careful we don't fall into this same trap of making Jesus too common. Because Jesus is so common in in our everyday society, life of society, Because he's so accepted by everybody, even those that refuse to believe in him as their Lord and Savior, he is so accepted in our society. We have to be careful he doesn't become too common to us. We need to guard against becoming so familiar with Jesus that he becomes common to us. Just another Just another thing on the shelf of our life. We have to be careful that that doesn't happen. Just another furniture in the room of our house, which is our life. He isn't the carpenter, just he isn't just the carpenter's son, he is the son of God. We don't deny that he was a carpenter's son, but We can't see him that he's so common that that's all he is. Because he was the son of God. He is the son of God. No matter how close we get to Jesus in our relationship with him, we must never lose that holy reverence that makes us uncomfortable in his presence. His grace has enabled him to be common in our midst. But his deity keeps him uncommon in comparison to our humanity. 
His grace makes it easy for us to be able to come into His presence because His grace overlays the weakness of our flesh and our humanity. It makes up that difference. But it doesn't enable us to come casually into His presence. He's made a way for us to be able to come into His presence, which makes us common, have that commonness. But He is still the Son of God, and we have to enter His presence with that holy reverence. That holy awe that says, I am able to be here, but I'm not worthy of being here. Jesus cannot become so common to us that that we think He's just one of us. That's the danger. He tore the veil in two, enabling us to enter the Holy of Holies. And when that happened, He become common to us in the sense that He's not a holy God hidden behind the curtain. We are able to come into His presence, to worship Him, to bow down before Him, and to feel that closeness and that intimacy of a relationship that wasn't there before that happened. But just because we can come into His presence doesn't place us on His level. We're not equal to Him. And if we see Him too commonly, we think we are on His level. And we stop worshiping Him. If we think we're equal to Him, we stop worshiping Him. He becomes common. We have to remember that He is uncommonly common. Yes, He was a human being. He he became one of us. But there was still, in that commonness, His deity made Him uncommon in comparison to the rest of us. We will never be equal to Him. And we never can take Him for granted. He must always remain uncommonly common. And I want to close with this. It's basically an altar call. I want you to search your hearts right now. This is between you and Him. Right now, it's between you and Him. Where are you at with Him? Is He just the carpenter's son? Has He become common to you? Maybe you're here this morning. And as you reflect on your life, where you're at right now, is Jesus, has He become common to you? Maybe He's not just the carpenter's son to you. 
Maybe it hasn't gotten to that place. But you realize he's becoming way too common. I'm becoming way too comfortable in his presence that I no longer look at my life through his eyes, desiring his holiness. You find yourself coming too many times too casually into his presence, thinking that he understands. And he's okay with it because his grace covers everything. And you find yourself repenting less and trying to justify more. Is Jesus becoming too comfortable for you? Too common? You find yourself being less amazed at his wisdom, and at his power? If so, I invite you to find a place of prayer and humble yourself and say, Lord, I want to be amazed again. Will you please amaze me with your holiness? I want to show you the reverence that you deserve Will you please amaze me again? Will you find a place of prayer and say, Lord, I don't want you to become common in my life. I want you to remain the son of God. I don't want you to become just the carpenter's son. I want you to be the son of God. And after you've had a chance to be amazed by him, Say, Lord, I want to be empowered to be able to speak to my family and my friends and my neighbors and to proclaim that you're more than just the carpenter's son, that you are the son of God, the living God. Would you find a place of prayer? And let Jesus amaze you once again.